Well, again, good morning, everybody. Welcome for those of you that are here uh, in the sanctuary and for those of you view viewing by live stream. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jeff. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis Gathering. And this morning, we're beginning a new series entitled Your Imagination, the gift that God gave you to create and enjoy life. I'm going to do something a little bit different from what we normally do. And that is that I'm moving the question and answer time to the middle of my sermon. So I'm going to share a few thoughts first and get about halfway through. Then I'm, we're going to break, have a, a Q&A, and then I'll resume and close the, close the message out. All right? In this series, we're going to talk about the inward you that changes everything. That's this morning. Next week, God willing... Loving the unlovable. Now you might think, wow, what an interesting title for a series on your imagination. Well, I'll, I'll just drop a, I'll drop a hint. It takes a vivid imagination to love the unlovable. But there is power in your imagination. I'll give you another hint. It's how Mother Teresa loved the masses of people that were so unlovely. So we're going to talk about loving the unlovable next week as part two. And part three, living in presence and power, the, the supernaturalness. It takes imagination to do that. So part one today, the inward you that changes everything, the power of your identity. Let's give some definitions here first in our in our time of uh, our first segment, I should say. And to do that, I'm going to turn to Webster's Dictionary for a definition of imagination. Look with me. Webster says that the word definition means the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before wholly perceived in reality. I want to read that again. The act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before wholly perceived in reality. That's the definition according to Webster's. Now, here's a scriptural addition to that, a definition in scripture. Here's, here's scriptural authority for the fact that you and I should use, actively use, our imaginations. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Glory to God, who is able to do far above all that we ask or imagine by his power at work within us. Whose power? His power. His power enables us to receive even beyond what we could imagine. Philip's translation says it this way, Now to him who by his power within us is able to do far more than we ever dare to ask or imagine. Have you ever dared to ask God for something really big and thought to yourself, I can't imagine God answering that prayer. Well, that's exactly what you need to do. Dare to ask big and then use your imagination to receive it 
Here's the message translation of that verse. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Boy, we're going to pick up on that definition next week when we talk about loving the unlovely. And then here's one I'm going to put on the screen. I really love this. It was, it was part of our sermon bumper there. This comes from the Passion Translation. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. What an incredible gift God has given us, our imagination. Your imagination will allow you to receive big things from God, things that you wouldn't dare to ask or believe Him for, and He's inviting us to think bigger, to take the risk, to step out, to believe Him for big prayers, big answers to big prayers this incredible gift. I want to drill down specifically on what it is that we call imagination and how it works in our brain. Your mind is constantly interpreting your world. Now, what do I mean your world? So reality, interactions that you have with people, your choices, the paths that you're on, the voices that you listen to and hear. And so how we interpret our world or reality that we live in depends on how our imagination is illuminated and stimulated. When your imagination is being stimulated or illuminated properly, then your world changes and how you interpret reality changes based on how your imagination is being stimulated. Our behavior is largely the result of feelings and implanted knowledge, which is heavily persuaded by our imagination. Look with me at this verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. If you have your Bibles or if you have your device there, Pull them out and let's, let's look at scriptures together. This is one of those series where I really invite you to look with me at the scripture context. We're talking about how our behavior is largely the result of our feelings and the implanted knowledge that we have in our minds. And that is heavily persuaded by our imagination. So look at this. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. And so Greg Boyd says, when our imaginations see truth in a way that corresponds to the way things actually are, and when they evoke appropriate feelings to motivate us to behave in effective ways, the imagination is our ally. So your imagination goes into operation, all right? It affects your feelings. It affects the things you know. It bears witness with it. 
and, a, and your imagination, when properly stimulated, will cause you to behave in accordance with reality, the reality that God wants you to live in. In other words, a good life, a healthy life, life as God has it. Jesus said, I came to give life and to give life more abundantly. But so many of us are not living that abundant life. And it's not because we don't believe good things. It's because we haven't stimulated our imagination to come into line with the truth of what we read. What am I talking about? Let me give you an equation that might simplify it. In this equation, you can see here that imagination aligns with truth. When imagination aligns with truth, and we could just take, for instance, the Bible as a source of truth. The Bible isn't the only source of truth, but it is a, and it is our primary as Christians, it is our primary source of truth. When imagination aligns with truth, it equals an experience, or we will experience God as real and will be transformed by that experience. The reason so many people are not transformed by God's power, by God's presence, by the Word of God, is because they have no imagination coupled with the things they're learning. You can learn the Bible backwards and forwards, but until you couple it with an imagination that's stimulated and bears witness to the things, the thoughts that you're learning and putting in your mind, you will not experience God as real. And hence, we have a lot of individuals who go to church, they read the Bible, they sing in the choir, they're very religious, but there's no life. Paul mentioned this when he said, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. There's nothing there transforming you. When you have no imagination, there's nothing there transforming you. You just have head knowledge. Head knowledge alone will not bring you into a vibrant relationship with God. Now, let's go back in our definitions here and look once again at what imagination is or means the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses have you ever prayed something based on a scripture promise and then stopped and imagined that thing happening I mean really get into it Taste it, feel it, you know, with your imagination. Walk through what it would be like. Walk through all the different things that go into that prayer and what it would be like when that thing happens and God answers that prayer. What would you feel? What would you think? How would you act? Would you call somebody? <laughs> well, see, a vivid imagination tied with the knowledge or the promise of truth causes you to feel, to act, to correspond, and thus experience God. No one can say, I feel like God is far from me, who has a vivid imagination. 
Oh, Pastor Jeff, I just feel like when I pray, my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, and I just don't really feel like they're making headway. They're not really, I don't, I don't feel like God's listening to my prayer. You know what you lack? Not the right words, not the right amount of faith. You lack imagination. Imagination is what gives us the ability to experience the knowledge that we have about God. I know this might sound far-fetched, but wait as we continue to go. Now, let, let me give you a parallel and go into the negative of this. I'm going to show you another equation here. Jeff will put it on the screen. If you take this same principle of using your imagination to stimulate and to make available to you the joy and the promises of God, the reverse of that can happen. You see, when the enemy or evil or things from this fallen world shape your imagination, then you will see and experience worry. You'll be constantly affirming the negative. You'll drop into fear. And you know what? The things you fear will begin to happen. Not because God wills it, but because your imagination, coupled with what you're being stimulated by, negative, evil, a fallen world, the things you read, the things that people tell you, they actually cause those things to come to you. Because that's the way the imagination works. I'll give you another scripture. Here's Paul again. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And Paul continues and he says this. So those who set their mind on the things of the flesh don't let them think that they're going to receive anything from God. Now it's not that God is withholding. It's that you're incapable of tuning in and receiving it because your imagination is full of the things that cause negativity. And God says, I've given you a gift, this incredible gift to use your mind and imagine good things happening. Imagine your prayers being answered. Imagine somebody changing from the person they are that's rubbing again. Imagine that new job coming to you that you've been trusting and praying for. Imagine it. What would it be like as you're driving to work now? You've been at home for a couple of months, but now you've got that job and you're actually driving to work. Is your window down is the wind blowing through your hair? Oh, well, if you're bald, that it might not be blowing through your hair, but you can feel it on your skin, and you're driving to work, and you know what? There's a little pickup. You know your joy is back, and you're feeling it, and, and maybe you call, your, you call your spouse, and you say, wow, honey, I just... I just want you to know I love you, and I, I was singing a song, and it made me think about the joy of the Lord, and you say, well, I can't do that now because it's been, I prayed this, I prayed this six months ago and nothing's happened. <laughs> and then I listened to this report and it said jobs are downturn in our area. I mean, it's hard. People are being laid off left and right. And you start imagining being laid off. You start imagining things going bad. You start imagining, I mean, your imagination will work 
regardless. It's going to work. Whatever you feed your imagination, it will work. It's a gift from God. And if you feed it with the negative and you start seeing yourself struggling financially, you start seeing yourself not paying bills, you start seeing yourself not cashing checks, you start seeing yourself cutting back and buying less and getting less and wearing less and so forth, then that imagination starts going to work and you start reinforcing the fear, you start reinforcing the bad things, and it starts coming to you. You start bringing it to yourself. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man. All right. Did you know that believing right things does not translate into formation? Believing right things doesn't guarantee you're going to be transformed by God's power. Again, Thousands and hundreds of thousands, millions of people believe right things. They've read it in the Bible. But there's no imagination bringing it to life. So you can read a book, join a Bible study, take a class, and I'll be changed. That's what I need to do. Read a new book. Go to a Bible study. I need to press. I need to work. I need to get more knowledge, right? wrong exactly wrong because just more knowledge won't change you you've got to bring in the power of your imagination back to our text God through the power that is in you is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what all that we think and all that I imagine you've got to give God something to work with You've got to provide God the substance of something to work with to bring that thing to pass. Western evangelicalism focuses primarily on knowing God intellectually, not experiencing God with our imagination. You see, in, in, in religion, faith is an intellectual assent, acceptance and commitment to creeds is what we spend our time on. Behavior modification is what people spend their time on in religion. And even worse, in religion, if you are starting to use your imagination for positive things and you start thinking positively and speaking positively and acting out positive things, people will tell you, that's not possible and they start frowning upon that maybe even making fun of you and ridiculing you because you're keeping your words positive you have a positive outlook when everything in your life isn't positive okay it is not wrong to imagine things changing when everything's going in the toilet it is not wrong to imagine prayers being answered and to speak the answer even when you've been waiting months and months and it looks like no change is going to happen. That is not wrong. That's called imagination. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 says it this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
the evidence of things not seen. You know, in a court of law, evidence has to be something you can see. In the kingdom of God, evidence is something you can't see with your natural eyes. So rather than looking at what's under the sun... All right, come on, everybody, get this. Instead of keeping your eyes focused on what's under the sun, you start focusing and looking at what's in the sun, S-O-N. And you start imagining your circumstances changing. You start imagining things different. And the result will be formation. Formation, by the way, is not the discipline of changing our behaviors to be more like God. Rather, it is the true biblical process of repentance called metaneo. That's the Greek word, which means to place God at the center of all thought and mindfulness. Repentance has nothing to do with shame or feelings of guilt or running up to the altar with tears. That's not repentance. Repentance, the word metaneo, means to take God and his thoughts and put them at the very center of all your thinking. And then with the power of this gift of imagination, you start affirming who you are, who God made you to be. You stop focusing on the things under the sun and you start focusing on the things in the sun. Paul outlines this very activity in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses. Here's just a a part of what he says. But be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. How are you transformed? By changing your behavior? Come on now, how are you transformed? Changing your behavior? Singing in the choir? Going to church more? Reading your Bible more? No, you are not transformed by any of those things because that's just more knowledge. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's the passion translation of verse 2, Romans 12. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. Remember our text. For God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in you. So here he says, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will. I wonder, is it possible that where I am and what I'm experiencing right now in my life is the result of what I think, not what I know? Oh, come on, that that deserved a little bit. I'm going to reach out to those of you that are watching by live stream. Now, I want to hear y'all. Is it possible (laughs) that where I am in my circumstances and the things that I'm unhappy with and I wish would change are a result more of how I think, which is under my control, and I can change it with this gift of imagination, than what I believe or what I know. Saint Ignatius, founder of the Jesuits, wrote, and I quote, it is not knowing a lot 
but grasping things intimately and savoring them that fills and satiates the soul. All right, question and answer time. And then I'm going to continue. And I'm going to give you an Old Testament example of somebody who came into a vibrant relationship with God through their imagination. They didn't even have a Bible. <laughs> and they came into this incredible relationship with God. And I, and I don't want to tell you everything. So I'm going to tell you about that person in just a moment. Question. Nina's going to come up and help me. Have you ever allowed or intentionally used your imagination to alter your direction, your feelings, or a choice that you had to make? Have you ever allowed your imagination or intentionally used your imagination to alter your direction, your feelings, or a choice that you had to make. Now, you understand what I'm talking about. We're talking about the definition of imagination, which I'll give you once more. The act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to your senses. So, someone might say, well, I'm making it up. Well, maybe. No, but that's imagination. And see, imagination is what, what separates you from other creatures. Creatures don't have the power or ability to imagine. You've been given as a living, satient human being the power to imagine. Have you ever used that to change your feelings, go a different direction, or influence something in your life that you can remember? A little tethered. We are tethered, and that's just fine. We'll see how far it stretches. Well, and we, we could use a cordless for, for this part. We have one there. Anybody? I know you're, you're writing, you're feverishly typing. You're trying to think, trying to remember. Yeah, trying to remember. That's, I, I know. Okay. Let's bring it home to something probably real close to all of us. How many of you that got sick over this last two years, whether it was most likely COVID or it was actually diagnosed as COVID or something very much like it with severe flu symptoms, used your imagination to imagine being better when it was really bad? Anybody do that? Well, no wonder you stayed sick so long. <laughs> There's a little piece of law and judgment for you. All right, now think about something. Okay, let's take a microphone to Carol. And we have one right here. Go grab that here. Okay. Or he can bring it over here. That'll be perfect. That's good. 
So I, um, hello. <laughs> hello. Okay. So um, I normally have a tendency to be more of a, a negative thinker. Um, I always think about the worst possible scenario, but throughout everything that I've been through this year, um, definitely changing the way that I picture things to, to turn out has really affected just everything in my life. More, more positive thinking, more um, hope um, in, in recovery in my health and you know, my household and, and all of that. And it really has made a huge difference just to, I guess, believe more that it's not up to me, it's, it's up to God. Wonderful believing. Now I'm going to ask you to, to elaborate just a little bit and tell me if there were any mental pictures. Did you actually imagine with mental pictures, something being different, something changing, you going somewhere you weren't able to go, or whatever you were taught, you know, whatever happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a really broad imagination, so um, I can really relate to this sermon. Um, I can tell you that when I was um, diagnosed with the tumor in my shoulder, I had pictured it just, you know, pretty much vanishing and being completely cleared, and then after wow. the, the surgery and the doctor saying it's very successful surgery, everything's going to heal properly, yes. that was the only thing I had imagined because obviously I don't want to have it again. Yes. And it was just, you know, God is taking over. It's gone. And like I said, my, my imagination is very vivid, so I could just picture it completely healed. Yes. Like it was just removed, but it's, you know, completely healed already. And okay. it's really helped me. And as a result of that, I probably don't, I know I don't even need to ask this because you've sort of described this, this, this uh, happening or this reality, but did you feel closer to God in that imagination? I did. I did. Okay. When I had COVID. Real close. Kiss the oh. mic, as they say. There's COVID. I can't, I'm talking about COVID and you said put it up to your, no, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. When I had COVID. It was really bad. Um, I was sitting on my couch, well, technically dead on my couch, and um, I would cough up blood, and like I couldn't breathe, and I was just laying there. My nine-year-old had to take care of all of us. Oh, my. And um, Tommy kept telling me, go to the hospital, go to the hospital. I was like, no, if I go, I'm not coming back out. <laughs> <laughs> and what got me better was imagining my kids without me. Oh, wow. So what I would have to force myself to get better, and imagining them without me was like, imagining them with just their dad was like, yeah, no, I got I to get, get better, I got to get better. Now, so there's, so, a, there's a little bit of negative tone in the fact that as we imagine our child not being with us, but look, look at the reality, though. She imagined the reality of what it would be like for a child, her child without her, their mom. And that brought to her something that motivated her. It motivated me to get up, get off the couch, and start moving, moves. 
rebuild my lungs back up, yes. breathe, breathe, yes. so they could have me. That is a gift of God, not the event. We thank God for the event. Your ability to imagine is a gift from God. If used properly, it's an ally. If used negatively, well, then it brings forth, as Paul said, death. Thank you so much. Well, I, uh, uh, Bob says that Debbie says her decision to move to Colorado. Uh, apparently, Bob had a lot of imagination, or can, can you elaborate? Go ahead and type that, please, if you would. Uh, how did Debbie, Debbie says her decision to move to Colorado, um, they must be using Bob's computer or phone that came in as Bob, but he says, Debbie says her decision to move to Colorado. Tell me more about that. How was it that you imagined that uh, relocation that then tied into something that brought you closer to God? This is the day, this is the day that the Lord... So, 30 years ago, 35 years ago... That's a long time. For almost 40 years ago, we started our first church. It was 40 years ago. 40 years ago. 40 years ago. It was 40 years ago this coming weekend. This coming weekend. Yes. 40 years. Imagine that. We don't even look that old, do we? Come here, honey. Look, look at this. See? We don't even look that old, do we? Forty years ago, this coming month, we started our first church, known as North Christian Fellowship. It became, within two years, I believe it was, the Cathedral of Praise. We were in a little small building and growing like wildfire. Just, <laughs> we needed a new place. Well, the place we wanted was in a shopping center. And, and this was a space that had sat empty for many years. It had been a small grocery store, 16,000 square feet, beyond our ability. So we took a four by eight foot sheet of foam core. Everybody know what foam core is? Very lightweight, but, but sturdy. And we encouraged everybody in the congregation to take magazines and start cutting out pictures. And then we met together, had an after-church party, and everybody brought their magazine pictures with pictures cut out of things they were trusting, things they were imagining God doing with this young church that was growing, and we needed a new building. All kinds of things, sound equipment and more volunteers and rent paid and we, we put up dollar amounts of the amount of money we needed to have coming into the church. Well, we cut that out and we put those dollar amounts on this board. And so we had it plastered. The whole board was just plastered. And then somebody in the church uh, uh, air, knew how to airbrush and they airbrushed all around it, made it beautiful. And we framed it and hung that up in the lobby. So where every time you came in and every time you went out, you saw this imagine board of where we wanted to go as a church. 
Well, we wound up getting that 16,000 square feet. I mean, this took meetings with the city of North Glen. Who, going, sa who said it would never happen. It would never happen. It went, we had to go before city council. We had to work with the fire department. We had to jump through all kinds of hoops. Well, short story is, short of that is, we wound up getting into that building, renovating it, and continuing to grow as a church. And as we reviewed the goal board, we would check off next thing, next thing, next thing, and we'd, I think we drew through the picture or we did something to indicate, well, that's happened. Well, now that imagination has happened. Well, that goal has been reached. Well, this thing we were trusting God for happened. And it started just as imaginations, but they were pictures. See, that's what I'm getting at, folks. It's not enough just to have a thought, all right? We all have thoughts and we all have knowledge and read our Bibles. You've got to use the power of the gift of imagination to bring the experience into... It's a gift. There's something about it. Of course, that's while working with God and His leading and directing. By the power that worketh in you. Yes. So, in other words, we don't have a goal board up now because... We need to. <laughs> I think... <laughs> All right, so Bob. Part of it is we're 40 years older. No, nobody wants to mention that, but everybody's 40 years older. <laughs> okay, Bob says in regard to what Debbie said about her decision to move to Colorado had to do with imagination. He says she had just lost her husband, and so she imagined a different happiness and peace. And that brought her out to Bob in Colorado. Wow. Um, Jack, or rather, it says Jack and Kathy. Yes. I think maybe this is a Kathy comment. I do it all the time with my what I with, with what, what I, I want. want from my home business. I am a glass half full person. I believe in and meditate on being healed, reaching a certain level in my vis business, and I visualize daily. Now, let's see here. Ralph says, it depends on what you mean by no, wink. If you mean the biblical no, procreating, having a deep relationship, it's very close to imagination. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Ralph. <laughs> Ralph, I mean. <laughs> so he says more down further. Bob says, for, yeah. Ralph. Ralph does further, yeah. He says, I use my imagination more than my reason. Even as a deep thinker, often reason on the basis of my imagination. I often reason on the basis of my imagination. It's hard for others to understand. And I make decisions primarily on that. Now listen to that. This is our good friend in Switzerland that, as you know, uh, watches the broadcast. He says, I use my imagination all the time. And a lot of people don't. And I'm a deep thinker, he says, and he is. I, I know Ralph pretty well. He's a very deep thinker. But he says, man, this is a gift. I use my imagination all the time in order to uh, bring me in to those things. Yes, to have that experience with God keeps it alive. Who else? Well, Bob continues to say about Debbie, uh, her cousin had told her that God had drawn a line in the sand and she needed to cross over it. Her cousin didn't even know she was considering moving to Colorado. So those are, that was a picture for her. 
Real picture. Yeah. And uh, Kathy says, uh, I do believe it brings me closer to God. I know whatever I receive is from him. Wow, so good. Lewis says, the food truck took a lot of imagination. So some of you might not know that a year and a half ago, when was that last a spring, ago. a year ago approximately? May and June. Uh, there was an organization that made <clears throat> food trucks available, uh, semi-trucks. I mean, big, huge semi-trucks full of food available to churches in the area who would take them on, bring them into the parking lot, uh, put out some advertising, let people know, and people could come by and, and receive pre-packaged food. And, and it was like a whole week's worth of food, food boxes. And there's and, like something like 1,200 boxes per truck, plus milk. Meat and potatoes and milk and fruit and vegetables, and it was, I mean, real food. And so uh, it was a huge, huge effort. And uh, the logistics of putting it all together was just enormous. And Lewis was in charge of that here for our two churches. Says the food truck took a lot of imagination for Genesis in the moment. But we saw it through and volunteers just came from everywhere. Because he's referring to a conversation that we had very early on with a, a small group of decision makers and the whole thing almost got tabled because we couldn't see enough workers we couldn't because look, see right here <laughs> we couldn't see under the sun enough volunteers but we started working on it we believed God wanted us to do it and we began to imagine workers and imagine the parking lot full and imagine cars coming in and circling and going back out and picking up their food and imagine the big semi truck being unloaded and all that we began to imagine it and you know what we had workers crawling out the woodwork we, we were trying to find things for people to do so many people volunteered from our bingo uh, I almost called it services. <laughs> people, people volunteered from our bingo church who, who did, I mean, no other relationship than through, with us and our volunteers at bingo, but had never, never been to church here. And they came and helped with that food truck. It, it blessed so many hundreds of families throughout the community. And it was so successful the first weekend, we did another semi the next weekend. Now that took some imagination. Yes, wonderful, Lewis. Amen. Anybody else? Especially live here in the audience. Anybody else? All right. One more? Is there a there. something we missed? Oh, Ralph says, I used my imagination. No, I read that one. Oh, I, oh, you texted it. I see, I see, I see, I see. Oh, she texted it. Okay. 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 So we do have one more we're going to share with you here. A response. Okay, Ralph says, there are four sources. This is kind of long, everybody. There are four sources of knowledge. Science, reason, intuition, and imagination. Building a future depends on all four. 
quote, contemporary culture favors science and very much in theory, reason, as the ultimately valid approaches and is deeply skeptical about intuition and imagination. The former because it is regarded as primitive, quirky, and unreliable. And the latter because it supposedly just makes things up. Imagination just makes things up. Mm. I suggest that this is profoundly mistaken. And that comes from The Matter With Things by Ian McGilchrist. Now back to what Ralph is saying. Yes, I have used imagination extensively. Sometimes it worked out, sometimes it did not. Most of the time, our imagination is limited by what we know. So knowing a lot through the other three sources is paramount. But then let go of the limitations and envision the impossible. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph. All right, let's wrap this up this morning, okay? So I want to take you to the story. It's in Genesis. I want you to grab your device, grab your Bibles. Let's go together. Genesis chapter 15. You probably now have somewhat of an idea of who I'm going to talk about. Genesis chapter 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and the one who will reward you in great abundance. Remember the comment of Jesus, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That agrees with what God was telling Abram. All right? But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless and my, fa- and my heir is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham added, or Abram added, since you have not given me a descendant, then look, one born in my house will be my heir. But look, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but instead a son who, now watch this, a son, a creation, a, a living being, a living promise, a living something that you've just imagined up till now, a living son is going to come from where? Your own body. What is it? The power of God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in you. This is God's power working in you. He doesn't want you to have to go somewhere else for this. It's It's going to be birthed out of your own loins. This man will not be your heir, but instead a son who comes from your own body will be your heir. The Lord, watch this now. The Lord took Abram outside and said, gaze into the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, so will your descendants be. Abram believed the Lord and the Lord considered his response of faith as proof of genuine loyalty. Oh my goodness. Abraham had no Bible. Abraham had no scripture. Abram. This this was before Bible school, Sunday school, television evangelists. Abram had no church friends. He was a heathen when God called him. Just said, get up, leave your land. Abram was a heathen. He worshipped many gods. And God came to him and said, get up, leave your land. 
And then he began to make promises to him. And one was that he was going to be the father of many nations, multitudes. And so in chap- by chapter 15, Abram's saying, now wait a minute. What I can see under the sun doesn't line up with what you've promised me is possible. Now, you're making all these great promises to me, God. Come on now, how many of you, if you're honest, you've made all these great promises to me. I see things happening in somebody else's life. I read about miracles in the Bible, but it's not happening in my house. Somebody else gets it. And God takes him and says, Abram, listen to me. This thing is going to happen out of the inside of you. Mark that. Mark that. This is going to happen out of the inside of you, number one. Number two. Then he says, come with me, and takes him outside and says, Abram, look up and gaze at the stars. Dear ones, what is that? Takes him outside the tent. Obviously, it's nighttime. This is a nighttime visit. And says, look up and count the stars if you're able. So will your descendants be that come out of your loins. Oh my goodness. God said, fear not. Don't focus on the things you can see. All right? But I've got family. I've got career. I've got responsibilities. I've got a legacy to be concerned with, Abraham says. You've not given me any proof in the natural that this thing is going to happen. I can't see it with my natural eyes. How are you going to fulfill this promise? And then God pulls the trigger. He uses the gift. Abram's imagination. And says, come with me, Abram. Come on. Now, look up. See all those stars? Start counting them. Count them if you're able. What a visual. What a use of imagination. In the Bible. Before there was a Bible. (laughs) There was no Bible. There was no church. There were no services. There was no televangelist. There was no Sunday school, Bible school, anything. And God had Abram using the gift of imagination. Go outside. And, And don't just, oh yeah, okay, lots of them. Gaze. I mean gaze. Some of you, you know what's wrong with some of us? We look for a moment, we dare to believe big, we start imagining, and then we let it go because circumstances get worse. No, you've got to gaze. I mean you get in there and you focus. I'm speaking to somebody that needs a new job. You've been brought to tears, in fact, because of the job situation. And I'm saying to you, you get in there and gaze. Get in there and imagine. Get in there and imagine that thing being different. Somebody told me once they were uh, believing and trusting God. They really needed it. It wasn't just, well, I'd like another car and I want it to be rich. They needed a car bad. But they didn't have the money. Nowhere close. You know what they did? They went out and bought the floor mats for the car. (laughs) I'm going to give the cameraman just a moment. 
they went out and bought floor mats for this model car. And not just any floor mats. They got the floor mats with the name of the car they wanted on it. <laughs> now I want to show you a special little hidden key in this text before we close. It's in verse 6 where it says, And Abraham believed. He stood out there and he gazed. And all of a sudden imagination was coming coming into work with truth and God's reality of things and it started firing off inside of him and all of a sudden the Lord declares wow because of your belief I've justified you all right now that's another message but look at this Abram believed the Hebrew Amon means to confirm or to support. It's a derivative. It refers to something or someone that or who provides support, such as a pillar or a nurse or a guardian or a trustee. Now, in Hebrew, there's various tenses that, that go with these words. This is very important, okay? There's the, and I'm not pronouncing this, I'm sure, uh, according to the, the proper Hebrew pronunciation of it, but in the nephal or nephal tense this abram believed would mean this to be faithful to be reliable to be in other words it's your responsibility you have to do it you have to be faithful that would be the first tense of abram believed but that isn't the tense used here the tense used here is hyphil and it takes on a declarative sense that means this, to consider something reliable or to consider someone reliable. You declare it. In other words, God, you're reliable. You'll do this thing. It doesn't depend on me. When it says Abram believed, it wasn't saying, now, Abram, you're going to have to bone up here. You're going to have to figure out how to, how to be a pillar. How, how to, uh, and I'm going to entrust this promise to you. So I want you to support it. And, and I want you to figure out how to be faithful. And you've got to be reliable. And you've got to confess it daily. And you've got to go to church the right number of times. And you've got to say the right words over it, okay, when you're watering the promise. We've heard all of that stuff. <laughs> Some of you are identifying with me. It ain't up to you. Not in this sense. God makes the promise. I use my imagination. I look up at the stars and I count. And I count them until something on the inside of me goes off. And starts saying, God, you'll make this possible. You'll do this. You're reliable. I can trust you because you'll support this dream. You'll make it happen. And God saw that something go off on the inside of him and said, and Abram believed, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You are more than what you can see with your natural sight. You are more than what your feelings tell you you are. You are better than the input of family members and friends and the media, especially social media, and religious teaching that you uh, have received. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Watch this now from the mirror translation. Thus, you are habitually renewed in your innermost mind. This will cause you to be completely reprogrammed in the way that you think about yourself. The author says this, ponder the truth about you as it is displayed in Christ. Begin with the fact of your co-seatedness. And you can never be more co-raised and co-elevated than you are right now. Listen to me, dear ones. You, you don't have to strive to get in God's presence. You don't have to strive to be co-raised, co-elevated, co-faithful with Him. It's His faith, not your faith. He's faithful. <laughs> and you know what? Since you're already co-seated with Christ... This whole thing is only a matter of growing in your awareness of your redeemed oneness. It's not trying to be faithful or trying to have enough faith or praying the right way. It's growing in your awareness that He is your pillar, He is your support, He makes the promise, and He will fulfill it. Your imagination, though, is what causes that reality to be realized. And next week, we're going to begin right here, right where I'm leaving off right now. We're going to begin right here with loving the unlovable. You're going to see how it all ties in to what I've just shared with you. Oh, my goodness. Well, as they used to say in preacher school, I just preach myself happy. Oh, that felt good. Yeah. I'm even sweating a little bit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Feels good to sweat a little bit. Get excited about Jesus. Well, we have quite a few prayer requests this morning. We have morning. a bunch of prayer requests yes. because people now, your imaginations have been ignited. <laughs> no, they actually came in before the sermon. Oh, okay. But the sermon so it wasn't me. Is, applies. <laughs> well, you know, in the songs that Carol sung this morning, one of them said, nothing is impossible with God, which is a lot to do with what you're saying. Yes. And uh, she talked about you were the same, this one song talked about you were the same God, you did it before, more or less, this was the point, you can do it again. And I'm thinking about the God who healed all who came to him when Jesus was on the earth, he healed all who came to him. So, first of all, I want to give you a good report. Um, we have been praying for Pastor Zenovia who had some spots that they had found, and so they sent her to get a PET scan. Well, it turns out there's no cancer. They don't know what happened to the spots. Uh, she's well and whole, so praise God for that. That's Isn't that cool? wonderful testimony. Thank and so you, we'll Jesus. take that testimony yes. now into these different prayer requests. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know, she, she gave me a verse when she told me that. She said, for I will restore health to you. This is God, of course. Mm. For I will restore health to you, and heal you of the, your wounds, says the Lord. That's Jeremiah 30, 17. We release that over you. Yeah, so yeah. for Mary, regarding COVID, here in the room here for Linda, regarding her kidneys, uh, and that she has, is facing possible dialysis. Uh, for uh, Cindy's husband, Lynn, who yes. isn't doing well. For Sarah, for cancer. I'm going to mention the sicknesses first. Jack, our Kathy and Jack. Jack has COVID again. 
Um, and then their brother-in-law, Jeff, has had COVID for three weeks now and is very sick. Wow. A friend's daughter who was car surfing and fell off and has serious injuries. She's already had two wow. brain surgeries. She's 17. Jeez. A friend's son who's in the hospital, surgery on a hernia, but is not doing well. Carol, as dad, recently diagnosed with stage one colon cancer, and her uncle recently diagnosed with stage four yeah. prostate cancer. And then also needs. we want to pray for Jim for a place to live. So, Wow, God, you are the God of the impossible. Yes. And some of these things certainly seem impossible to us in the natural. And uh, yet with you, all things are possible. And you did heal everyone who comes to you. And you are the same today as you were then. Mm. And so that's what we picture, <laughs> just as we've been told. That's what we picture. We picture healing and we picture wholeness. Yeah for each one of these people who are dealing with illnesses and accidents and uh, issues of health and recovery. And we thank you for perfect recovery for each and every one. That's what we're going to pray and believe and consider because you're the same God who healed all who came to you. You healed the blind. You, 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 you raised the dead. You, you brought people who couldn't walk, began to walk again. We, if you did it then, you can do it today, and we thank you for that. Father, for Jim, we thank you for the perfect place to live at the perfect time. And uh, we, we thank you, Father, for opening that door, literally a door, opening that door of a place for him to live that he can afford, and that is the right place. We thank you, Father, for doing these things. We are putting our trust in you today. We love you so much and are so grateful for all you are already doing for healing Pastor Zenobia, and, and uh, we thank you for that wonderful testimony. Yeah. And we pray, and I want to pray one more. We have a dear friend, John Johnson, John and Martha Johnson, and their 38-year-old daughter died in the last week or two, and that's after their other 30-something daughter died a few years ago. So, Father, we lift up the whole Johnson family as they are dealing with these tragedies and overwhelming grief. And Father, I don't even know how they could possibly be comforted, and yet it's a day by day, Lord. I thank you that you are with them, you're working with them, walking with them, bringing them what they need to hear, encouraging them, strengthening them, Lord, and that, that they would be able to find peace and comfort in you. In Jesus' name. Now I'm going to grab my device. I have my these very notes. And I'm doing this as an imagination. There's nothing magical about it. If you're sick in your body, if you're sick in your body, if in your family there's somebody sick, grab your device. You might be watching, understand, on your TV. Maybe you want to just move, move your chair over if you can or if it's appropriate to the TV. Again, we're not talking magic here. I'm not pulling on Oral Roberts, as much respect as I have for his ministry, and he's in heaven with Jesus now. But I, I'm not playing a game here. I'm, I'm releasing, I'm just using something tangible like the stars that God told Abraham to come outside of his tent and start counting. 
to release my faith for your healing. Now, Nina's prayed, so here's what I'm going to do. In the name of Jesus right now, through the power of imagined faith and the healing ministry of Jesus, who said that we shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover, who said greater things than these that I've been doing, you will do. Right now, I release in your body whatever the sickness, whatever the malady, wherever there's brokenness, be healed. Be healed. Be set free. Jobs open up. Opportunities. Relationships mend. Even the unlovely, there is a way. There is a way. God, make it so. You are our pillar. You're our support. You make it so now. Our trust isn't in ourselves. Our trust is in you. And we give you all the praise for the reports we're going to hear. In Jesus' name.